coronavirus pandemic came as a surprise for us all, making 2020 one of the most challenging years of our lives. From a financial point of view, it has hurt some and benefited others. For those that lost their jobs or had their incomes reduced, it has made the last 10 months a struggle. For others who managed to retain their salary, movement restrictions offered a chance to build up their savings and rethink how they wanted to live their lives. No matter how your finances were affected, the new year brings hope for us all, along with new goals and new priorities. So how are you going to save your money in 2021? Is this the year to get your finances in order or an opportunity to build up your savings even more? Welcome to Pocketful of Dirhams. I'm Alice Hayne and joining me today is Carol Glynn, a finance coach and chartered accountant at Dubai's Conscious Finance Coaching. Welcome to the show, Carol. Thank you very much, Alice. I'm delighted to be here. Well, it's been quite a year. I don't think any of us would have ever imagined uh, this time last year that we would be where we are today. And it's certainly changed how I think all of us think about money. And we've seen economic growth literally put on the back burner in favour of health. So do you think other people's or people in general, do you think their attitude towards money has changed this year? Oh, absolutely. I think what's happened this year has, in a lot of cases, forced people to look at their financial situation and has really highlighted to them um, some issues that they may have been ignoring in the past or really given them opportunities to see where they could do better with their money. Um, So I think, yeah, our attitudes are changing. We've learned a lot in this last year. And I have so many examples of that with my clients and just chatting to friends in general. And it's all while some people are in difficult situations, I think from a mindset and attitude, it has helped a lot of people. It's improved how they address their financial situation. So do you think some people are actually really struggling at the moment? Or do you think others perhaps have got more money than they did before because they've scaled back down on socialising and travel? Oh, it, it's definitely both. I mean, everyone's situation is different. Um, there are some people who are very lucky and have continued on, say, with the same salary that they've always been on, but their costs have reduced, be it that they're now working from home, so they don't have the expense of train ticket or, or travel cost. And then there's less socializing and less travel. So obviously the opportunity to spend is less in a lot of ways. I mean, sometimes people substitute that with other um, places to spend. But then on the other spectrum, there are people who have been really hardly, really badly hit with this, um, where they've lost jobs and couldn't find replacements, or even just having salary reductions that have really impacted um, their lifestyle. And if you have, you know, a large mortgage and suddenly your salary is reduced, it's very difficult to maintain that debt um, and support your family the way you used to before. So it, it, it very much varies. Um, but I think on either side, it has though, because no one has, has it, there is no one in a situation where they don't know someone who's been impacted or hasn't been impacted themselves. And it's caused a lot of worry. And I think that's what's driving people to look at their finances now more than they probably ever have before. And with that, in turn, you know, people also look at their savings and perhaps how they save or how they want to save. So what do you think the most important thing people might have learned this year about saving? For a lot of people is that we need to. For a lot of my clients that I'm working with now, they've woken up to the fact that they don't have a safety net, that they've been enjoying their life, um, not necessarily huge spenders or being frivolous or reckless with their money, but they haven't been focusing on it. And one of the first things I do with people is talk to them about the emergency fund, the rainy day fund. 
And I think people are realizing just how important that is now to have that sense of security of we had three months, six months, nine months of their living ex- expenses set aside in case something like this happens because no one expected this to happen. Um, and it's made realize, made people realize that saving is not just about putting money away for, you know, we, for, because we're told we should, that it, it's about giving us that security and choices when things go wrong beyond our control. So definitely people, I think, are starting to look at their savings a lot more than they have in the past. And that can only be a positive thing because having an emergency fund just kind of gives you that security that, you know, if everything goes wrong, you've, you're going to be OK. But as we move towards 2021, I mean, many people are feeling more hopeful. We have a vaccine now. There's a sense that perhaps this time next year we'll be in a little bit more of a more normal situation. So how can we transfer this hope to our savings? How can we sort of propel it forward? I think it's about not forgetting. You know, when things do start to get back to normal or whatever our new normal will be, we start, you know, having more freedoms and socializing, for example, and uh, we can travel more, that we remember what we learned from this and the importance of having those savings and the sense of security that would have either you had if you were um, in a place where you had that when you were in a position where maybe you lost your job or if you didn't have it so that you never fall into that situation again. Um, and I think just remembering that and being mindful of it, and this is the whole conscious concept of just like, what, what has happened? What have I learned? And make sure that we make whatever changes that we're going to improve our lives for the future and keep on top of those. And a lot of that is getting those savings habits in place. So with that in mind, what's the first step that we need to take to get that kind of savings habit in place and perhaps set some financial goals? For me, it's about clarity. The first thing I do when I start working with a client first is to give them, help them have clarity around their current situation. Very often people come to me and they say, um, everything's in their head. You know, they're like, oh, I know I'm pretty good at this. Or I know I potentially um, spend too much there. And But they've never put it down on a piece of paper. They've never actually looked um, kind of holistically at their financial situation. And there's so much power in that. So I think for me, the first step is, and it's what I do with my clients, is we look at their current situation. What are your assets? What are your liabilities? Um, what is your what are your spending habits? And that means looking at your spend for the previous, it's usually three months. Um, and that brings so much awareness. And it's not about criticism or shame. It's the absolute opposite. It's literally, where am I? Am I comfortable with this? And then from that point forward, what do I want to do? Where can I make changes that will make my life more fulfilling? Will we get me on the path, the saving path, investing path, securing my debt, whatever that needs to be, whatever that person wants to do um, to move them in that direction. And for me, that exercise of looking, really looking hard at what we're currently doing and what we currently have is a huge first step. And it's daunting, but people always come out being much more positive um, after going through that exercise because it gives them a sense of control, clarity, understanding that before it was just, you know, almost, I don't want to know, I don't want to know. And it's, it's usually never as bad as people think, thankfully. So does that mean you actually have to kind of pick through their credit card statements and their, their kind of bank account statements to really understand what they're spending on? Is that you're literally facing it head on? Yes, facing it head on. But in but I'm I'm very much of a mindset of, you know, there's no blame, no shame, there's no kind of you should not have done that. There's no criticism. It's just this is how it was, this is what we've done. Um and where where is that 
making you uncomfortable. So it's not, I'm very clear with my clients in the beginning that I'm not the person who's going to go, you should have done this, you need to do that and issue a list of instructions or put them on some like extreme diet like you might if you wanted to lose weight pretty quickly. Um, no, it's about just understanding and looking at, okay, this is what's happened. This is where the patterns have been in the past. Um, and to do that, you have to look at the detail. You have to look at the detail. Um, and yeah, so it can be a difficult situation for people to look at um but like i say thankfully so far it's generally not as bad as people think people come to me with the fear of oh how bad is it am i i've had so many clients say am i your worst client and no <laughs> it's it's never it's never as bad as they think in your head and that's always the way with life i think we imagine things to be worse than they really are once we face it head on we can get on top of it and start making the changes that we want to do to make a better a positive impact on our lives so if people are wanting to make changes and they want to get their finances in order, I mean, that's quite a big goal. So how do you break that down into sort of more manageable goals? Is it a case of listing them all or just having a few to focus on? What's what's the strategy there? The first thing I do um, in that, with that kind of initial session I have with people is look at their spend and look at their, we do their net worth. So what assets do you have, what liabilities and what financial net worth? Um, is is there for that person but really the biggest thing is talking about their values because I find when people are not um, spending mindfully when people are just you know um, reactive spending it's because they don't have goals first of all for their money but before you even get to goals I think you have to understand what's important to you and we have a conversation on values and how that relates to money Um, and it's about you know, when someone understands what's important to them, what their ambitions are, what they want to achieve in life, it's very, it's very easy then actually to move towards what goals that they really feel passionate about because it's linked into their values. And then when it comes to spending their money, you don't need a tight budget to be able to say, no, I've only got 1,000 dirhams for food this month, therefore I cannot spend anymore. It's about, okay, for every time that I spend, you think about, is this within the values that I know that I have? Is it supporting me to reach the goals that I feel passionate about and um, feel that I can achieve? Is it helping that? Yes and no. And I, fi- I have found that exercise really powerful for people to really, and, and it's, it's not painful. It's not restrictive. It's what's important to you as a person, not what someone else is telling you you should or shouldn't do. Um, and you've got full control over it. And then also it means that when you do, you are using your money and spending money and you do spend it on something. You're spending it without guilt and shame. You're spending it with clarity and you can enjoy it more. And that for me is what money should be. It should be enhancing our lives, not hindering it and creating shame and embarrassment and worry. Obviously, there's always a little bit of worry attached. Um, But I think for that, doing that values exercise really helps people make mindset changes and spending habit changes. And, and they save easier. It's easier for them to start saving. So it's about getting into the right mindset, effectively. You've got to be in the right place to, you know, achieve those aims. You know, I've always had certain goals that I've wanted to achieve. And I set those when I was very young. And it wasn't like I put it down on a piece of paper and said, I will do that. But as you say, I knew where I wanted to go. I knew what I wanted to achieve. And I'm further along the life path now. And I've achieved quite a lot of those aims just by being very clear in my head about where I was going. Is that what you're, you're talking about, getting into that mindset to make sure they actually achieve those goals? It's exactly that, getting into that mindset, knowing what it is you want to do with your life, knowing what it is you want to achieve with your money and staying focused on that. 
Now, a lot of people talk about you've got to save a certain percentage of your income um, or you've got to hit, certain, you know, I don't know, 20 percent, 40 percent, whatever figure that the financial advisor of the day says. Does that sometimes put too much pressure on people because they kind of get fixated on on hitting that target? Because I found that in the past where I, I had these very aggressive savings targets that sometimes it almost created stress. I sort of felt unhappy because I, I, I perhaps had missed it by a few hundred here and there. So you've got to be careful not to put too much pressure on yourself. Oh, I 100% agree. And rules of thumb um, are helpful to kind of as, as an initial review. And we do look at the, the 50, 30, 20 rule with people, where, you know, 50% of your spend on needs, 30% on wants, and 20% is that rule of thumb for savings. But it's a rule of thumb. Everyone's situation is totally different. Everyone's responsibilities are different. Everyone's income is different. So and you're right, and I and I and I agree that if you are too stringent on yourself, then it takes it takes. First of all, it, it's not sustainable, and it causes stress, and it causes resentment, and you, and you lose why you're doing it. It's not a it's not a positive reason to do it. What I do is ideally, yes, we would look at twenty percent, but we look at the person's situation. What responsibilities do you have? What liabilities do you have? What debts do you have? How much can you comfortably afford to save every month? And really to get started, it doesn't matter if that's 10 dirhams or 50 pounds or if, if you're lucky and you're in a, in a positive situation where you can put a thousand pounds or dirhams or euros away every month. That's amazing. But what, what the first thing to do is get started um, and get into that habit. And then you will find over time it's motivating because it's for a positive reason because we also have to live. I mean, I'm very strong on this that, you know, this is not, this is about using your money to fulfill your life, your life goals and, and be happy. And if putting these stringent saving requirements on yourself is causing you unhappiness, then that's not using your money to fulfill, you know, your life's ambitions. Um, so yes, I agree that we sh- it should be realistic. Obviously, the higher, the better. Aim for the best that you can do, but be realistic and just grow the habit. And the more that habit is like anything, when you go to the gym, the more you exercise, the stronger you get, the more you can do. And I think applying that kind of mindset to your money is the same. It's helpful. And as you save more, I have to say, it gets quite addictive. It it, it sort of mm. encourages you to save even more because it's quite fun watching it all build up. But you've also got to treat yourself along the way. I mean, I always find for me personally, a good holiday every year, you know, brushes out the the cobwebs obviously that's a bit more tricky at the moment but it's those little treats to kind of keep you motivated they they help too oh definitely and when I go through the goals process with my clients for every goal we have milestones especially if they're very long-term goals I mean that can get exhausting when it's a large long-term goal like purchasing a house for example that a lot of people want to do that mortgage free so that's going to take time um, so you need to have milestones along the way. And with every milestone, there is a reward. And that's, again, completely personal to what that person, what that person might want to do for themselves. And it could be anything from buying a nice pair of shoes to going on a holiday to, uh, you know, what, buying themselves something that they wouldn't normally feel that they should. And it's taking that should away. It's a treat for themselves that they can enjoy guilt-free because they've achieved a milestone or a goal. And I think that's really important because it comes back to as well, it's a balance, right? We need to live our life. We need to have happiness and we need to, and rewards, um, no matter what age we are, are motivating. And yeah, it, hel- it definitely helps us along the way. and helps keep us going um, because too much restraint and we just give up. Which brings me on to the, my next question, because the new year is a time that people do traditionally make financial resolutions. And I'll ask you in a moment, is that the right time to do it? But at the same time, once you have 
made those kind of financial commitments, so to speak. How do you stay on track? How do you keep doing it? Because it's very easy just to go, oh, forget it. How, how do you <laughs> how do you move forward? Yeah, for, for me, I think there's two parts to it. The first one is just if you're feeling that it's is not you're not enjoying it it's not what you want to do anymore I mean it doesn't have to be enjoyable okay I mean putting money into an account does get addictive like you said absolutely does um but sometimes it can feel a little bit like oh it's just money going there it's going back to your goals and your values again and your why but why you are doing it um and if you're and that's why I also say with, with this we need to reassess every if our situation changes I mean I'm, I'm sure a lot of people had goals last year then then with this COVID situation those goals had to change and we need to be, and that's kind of part of the mindfulness approach. You need to be adaptable to that. So, but even if your situation hasn't dramatically changes, changed, we've changed sometimes. Um, and we look at our goals, especially the longer term ones. Are they still what we want? Are they still motivating? And if they are, then it's refreshing why we're doing it. And that kind of gives you that boost to keep going, I think. And then also accountability. Accountability seems to be the number one thing that my clients ask me for after that first session where we give the clarity and set goals and go through their values and all of that. It's the accountability that they're motivated, they're excited, they want to do it, but they know that they have run the risk of slipping into old habits and just putting it on the long finger again after a few months. So finding accountability, and that can be, it doesn't have to be a coach like me, it can be your partner, it can be a friend, a family member, someone that you trust. Um, because finances are such a sensitive topic as well. I completely understand how you don't want to share that with just anybody. It's a very sensitive subject for a lot of people. So find someone that you trust who will who will sit with you, be it once a month, and go through your goals and how you're working through those. And someone you can talk to if you find yourself wavering or your motivation is slacking. Um, someone will help boost you along the way, I think, seems to be a really good way to keep us keep us going and it doesn't have to happen at the new year it can happen at any time would you say would you agree to that oh completely anytime new year's resolutions it's a great tradition but i can't think of anyone who's made new year's resolutions and stuck to them um i think that it's a good time if that's when you want to do it but yes anytime it doesn't matter whenever you sit back and think actually i need to do something about this i'm not feeling very positive about my money and how i'm handling it or it causes me stress i feel out of control then that's the time to do it now your company is called Conscious Finance Coaching. What's the conscious bit about? Is that we have to be conscious about how we're spending or conscious about how we're saving? Yes, I think I'm a big believer in mindfulness and I guess it's linked to that. And it's just about because what, what I found when I was set, setting up my company and talking to people about my ideas and what I wanted to do and a lot of the feedback of what I heard from people is that they are not conscious with what they do with their money. And I guess in the UAE, we are quite lucky in a lot of ways. There's, you know, the opportunity and it happens everywhere where you might have an excess every month of income. Um, but people have, there is that sometimes that tendency to just spend because, because we're not consciously planning for our futures. We're not consciously planning what we're going to do with our money. Um, and it's very easy here because it's an exciting lifestyle. There's lots to do. It's very easy to just spend. So yeah, I found that a lot of people are unconsciously living unconsciously if that doesn't sound ridiculous <laughs> but you're not recommending products are you you're just helping people make the right financial decisions exactly for me it's about getting control over their money by get, taking away the stress it's taking away the stress and fear there's a, the amount of fear and shame that I have found is attached to people people's money and that's when they earn a lot and are in a very fortunate position where they have an abundance 
And it's also where people find themselves in a situation where they've got a lot of debt and they're struggling with it. There is shame attached to both of those kind of that end, uh, ends of the spectrum. Um, and yes, my vision and my mission is to take that away. I, I'm not an investment advisor. I don't sell policies. Um, what I do is it's that, it's that mindset. It's helping people get control of their money so that when they're in a very positive position, to then start investing or whatever it is that they want to do with their savings after that. And you also work a lot with women, don't you? You're trying to empower women. Is that because women aren't very good at money management or because they don't have the confidence to take control? It's a confidence thing for me. A lot of the time, it's definitely not that they're not able to do it. I've not met a woman yet who isn't able to do it. It's back to mindset. It's A lot of it's confidence. Um, and that's why I focus on women, because I think that's where the greater need for this is. That's where my passion is. Because when I talk to, again, back in the days of research, or even over years, I've noticed this. When I talk to men versus women, our mindsets are very, very different. Our confidence levels are very, very different. And what I've found is, and this is with uh, across cultures and geographies and where people were brought up is not relevant to these kind of answers that I get when I talk about what I do women regularly tell me I feel stupid I'm ashamed I bury my hand head in the sand um, I'm embarrassed to ask questions I should know this but I don't and if they have partners or are married um, it's like well I, I he's better at it than me or I just leave it to him and um, we give that power away and I've done a lot of research as to why that is and I could talk for hours on this and uh, like a lot of things it comes back to you know how we're what we're surrounded by as children. And again, it seems to be culturally and geographically equal. Um, it means the generalization, obviously, there is exceptions to all of this. But I think growing up, we seem to be, as women, taught to, and just with my experience, women, you should keep some for yourself, save, save your money, you know, be careful with it. Whereas I find boys, I, I, this there's research behind this and just in conversations that I've had seems to back it up, that very often they're spoken to in the way that you know, you need to earn money, always make sure you're paid the most uh, that you can get and invest your money and, do, you know, much more kind of progressive, positive, take control of your money language um, that we as females don't seem to be exposed to as much. I mean, obviously, there's always, it's not everybody. And I think that's what we grow up with. But as you say, there are always exceptions. I think I'm an exception in that I, I am the money manager in the household and I take full control of it and, I, and I'm an avid investor. But at the same time, my husband, you know, is completely uninterested and doesn't pay any attention. So men aren't always great savers either. I mean, what, what should they be doing to also keep on track? It's, it's true. And I'm in exactly the same situation in my house. So, yeah, it, it's the same. Um, the same thing. It, it absolutely applies to men and women the same. And I do have clients who are couples. So it, we I do work with men as well. And, yeah. The same thing applies. I don't see it being any different. Um, it's just, I think that women seem to relate to this more than men do at the moment. But maybe that'll change in time as we talk about it more and men start thinking about it um, as well and they may come forward. So what are your financial resolutions for 2021? Um, my number one is to keep growing my business. <laughs> so, and then obviously the financials behind that. And just, yeah, I mean, keep doing what I'm doing. I, I invest where I can and be conscious with my money. It, it, mine don't change dramatically and keep working on my goals that I've set. And for our listeners, what would be, you know, your top three tips to ensure that they, we all hit our savings goals this year? Come on, help us along, Carol. 
uh, know your values and your goals. I think that's the number one thing. Sit down and I have this um, thing I say to people is, you know, put your money behind your values. If you look at your credit cards and you see where your money is going, is that where you would, you know, the example I gave is if I look at your credit cards and um, I know nothing about you, I knew nothing other than just a list of transactions and I made a kind of a judgment, which is not good, but if I made a judgment on, you know, what type of person you are and what's important to you, is that a true reflection of who you are and what's important to you and would you be proud of that? Um, so do that exercise, know your goals, know your values and think about that when you're spending. And then the second one is just get started. No matter how small or how insignificant it feels, the most important thing is get the foot on that ladder, get moving, get started. If it's $10, $50, it doesn't matter. Um, just start. And then I think to keep going with it, that accountability partner. So find a friend maybe who's doing the same thing and do it together or find someone that you trust and are comfortable to talk to that can help you work through this of when you're faltering or if you want to check something or just who will sit down with you once a month and go, okay, show me, how are we doing? Um, that will help, I think, keep us going. Well, I hope that all our listeners write that down. Thank you very much for joining us this week, Carol. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you this week to Carol Glynn. If you would like advice on your personal finance issues, you can write to me on ps at the national.ae. Please do subscribe to the podcast in your podcasting app to receive weekly updates and also leave a review so we know what you think. This episode was produced by Arthur Edison. I've been your host, Alice Hayne. Happy New Year to all of our listeners. Pocketful of Dearings will be back in the first week of January 2021.